last week I was actually going to preach this message because I, it was something that, that caught my eye during the Super Bowl commercial. And it went so well with last week's message, I was going to combine it, but it really would have turned into about a two-hour uh, sermon. So I, I, I spared you that, and I'm going to bring it to you today. Uh, the, the commercial was for a mortgage company called Guaranteed Rate. And in the commercial, they had these athletes uh, that had reached like the pinnacle of their career. They had a, like a NASCAR driver that won the Daytona 500. That's their biggest race. Uh, they had some uh, mixed martial arts fighters that had, had won championship belts. Um, they had Olympic skier, uh, hockey players. They, they had these people that, you know, they had dreamed of becoming something um, so challenging all their lives. And, and then they had finally reached that, uh, uh, the pinnacle of their uh, profession. And their slogan, or the idea was, the key to achieve your dreams is simple, you just have to believe. Uh, and they were trying to sell people on the idea of, well, if you've always dreamed of owning a home, just believe you can do it, give us a call, and we can make that happen for you. Uh, but one of the people that they included in this montage of, of athletes was a name uh, was a man by the name of Eric Weinmayer and um, he was a climber he climbed Mount Everest and you wouldn't think that was such a big deal they had a picture of him uh, reaching the summit on, on, on a rope and there's ice and snow all around and he's he's waving to the camera um, and you might not think that's a big deal because hundreds of people have climbed Mount Everest but what was different about him was he was blind. He was a blind man, first blind man to ever climb Mount Everest. I believe there was one after. But I saw that, and I started thinking, why would he want to climb Mount Everest? Why would a blind man want to climb Mount Everest? It's not for the view, right? It's not like he's going to get up to the top and say, wow, this, this is amazing. It just didn't seem, it seemed odd to me as to why anyone would want to do it especially if you're blind. So I looked up what it, what it takes to, to, to climb Everest, because I was curious. Obviously, he was an endurance guy. That, that was what, his, uh, what he was all about, was just endurance, and it's something he loved to do. But I wanted to find out more about climbing Everest, so I looked it up. To climb Mount Everest costs somebody between forty and $65,000 to do it. You have to hire a guide. You can't just go at it on your own. Um, you have to buy insurance. You have to get equipment, uh, oxygen cans and tents and clothes and, and, and all kinds of things that you'll need for your trip. It's very, very expensive to do. It's not like there's just a, a, a ticket booth at the bottom of the mountain. You go and pay your fare and they just let you go. Um, there's a, a big... Um, to do about have, getting to do something like this. Um, I also saw that the average temperature in the summer, in the summer, the, the, the high temperature, was negative two degrees on Mount Everest. So not only are you paying $50,000, you, you're going to be sleeping in two degrees, it's 34 degrees below our freezing temperature. But on top of all that, it takes two months. Two months to climb uh, and, and uh, was ascend and descend. Two months to do it. 
you got to be awfully committed to, uh, to that kind of uh, project. But So I looked this guy up, Eric uh, Weinmayer, and not only is he blind, but he's also from New Jersey. So that's like a double, double whammy. That's just a joke. People from the north, we make fun of uh, New Jerseyans a lot. But it turns out that this guy not only climbed Mount Everest, he climbed to the peak, the highest point on all seven continents. Like th that's something very few people have ever done. That, that, that is amazing. And to be able to do that, it, it would cost somebody about $200,000. And that's not including the travel to all those places, flying to Asia to, to, to climb Mount Everest and, and all these other places. Um, and he's a motivational speaker. And people seem very impressed by his accomplishments. People were so impressed by his accomplishments. He was actually on the Oprah Winfrey show back when Oprah was, was, a, was a big deal. Her program was number one. They had him on to tell his story and, and inspire others. And I don't want to downplay his accomplishments at all because it's, it's incredible what he was able to do. Um, especially being blind. But am I the only one that looks at that and says, I'm really impressed by the guide. Like the guide that had to, 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 to lead him to the peak of these mountains, I, it just seems very amazing to me. Everything that guide does for himself, he's also got to do and keep an eye out for the blind person that's behind him, right? Every step, the guide has to make sure that blind person isn't going to step on something uh, that, that might collapse underneath of him or cause him to fall. He's responsible for making sure that blind man's uh, carabiners, those clips that hang on to uh, your anchor, are clipped on properly so that he doesn't fall. Everything he does, he's also responsible for this other man doing. He's responsible for monitoring the man's rest, right? Making sure that he's not pushing himself too far because it's a marathon, right? Two-month-long trip. It's not a sprint. So if somebody burns themselves out in the first couple weeks, you're in a lot of trouble. You might have to turn around. You may have to, to make alternate plans. So he, everything he does, he's having to watch over this other man to get to the top. And the more I thought about the guy's responsibilities, the more it made me think about God's role in our lives. So I want to take a look at some scripture today. This isn't usually what I like to do. I usually like to break down a chunk of scripture. But we're going to take a look at several pieces of scripture today uh, from the idea or looking through the lens of, is Jesus your guide? First of all, the first rule of every mountain climbing guide is to get the climbers home safely. That's the first rule of any guide, no matter what. Whether that means you climb 20 feet or 20,000 feet on a mountain, their entire goal is to get that person home safe. You don't want to be known as the guy that gets most of his climbers home. right? You run out of business pretty quick if that's what you're, you're known for. But it's not the desire to, for a guide to lose anybody on the mountain. That would be horrifying, right? To, to, to lose somebody that you are responsible for on the mountain. It's also not the desire of God that any of us should perish. It's not his desire that he should lose any of us. 2 Timothy 
chapter 4 says, But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, so that the message might be preached fully through me, and that all Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of a lion, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. He will strengthen you, he'll deliver you, and preserve you for his heavenly kingdom. He's with you. That's what a guide does. He strengthens you. When you don't think you can go any further, he motivates you to keep going. Right? He guides you on your way. He preserves you, and he wants to bring you home. That's the same thing that Jesus does for us. He wants to bring us home. Number two, your happiness is not the priority. I looked up a, a mountain climbing. Uh, they have a, a website for guides. You can go there. You can hire a guide to, to uh, near you to, to help you climb whatever mountain it is that you, you want to climb. And under their About Me page, I was reading about them. It said, uh, your satisfaction is secondary to your security. They're saying, if you enjoy your time on the mountain, that's great. But our goal is to make sure you're safe. You can't just tell the guide, you know, I know the path leads this way, but I think the view is going to be better over there. So I'm going to go that way. I'll just meet you. You can't do that. You have to follow the guide. You have to, 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 to believe in them and know that their, their priority is to keep you safe. That, that is their whole responsibility is to keep you safe. You don't get to call the shots just because you want to have more fun. And God is the same way, despite what some people will tell you. He's more interested in making you holy than happy. Meaning he's more interested in you being set apart. He's more interested in you being saved than the pleasure that you might find in the world. You know, too many of us forget that. We get caught up in, in, in hobbies and money and cars, popularity and relationships. But what we need to remember is all of these things fade away. We may find our joy in them temporarily, but eventually they're gone. They're gone. So where does the Bible tell us to find joy? Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord. That's where we find joy and happiness. That's why you may see somebody, the poorest person you've ever met, or maybe the sickest person that you've ever come across. They have joy in their lives when they have Christ. Right? They, 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 they just have something different about them. You look at somebody and say, how can you be happy in the situation that you're living in right now? It's because they have God. It's because they have Christ in their life. It's because they have the Holy Spirit that is bringing them that joy. They aren't looking to find it in the world. I would love... Would I love for my kids to be happy all the time? Um... It would be nice if they could. But if they were happy all the time, that would mean they would never go to bed. Right? If they were happy all the time, they would also stink because they hate taking baths. If I just let my kids be happy all the time, I would be broke from all the, the candy and presents that I would have to buy them. I would also be doing them a disservice. 
if I let them be happy all the time. Because they would go through life thinking that's the way it should be. Kids need to hear the word no occasionally, right? Kids need to hear the word no because when they get older and they hear it at school or they hear it in the workplace or they hear it in relationships, they need to know that things aren't always going to go your way. You can't be happy all the time. As God's children, we need to hear that word no also. So, everyone gets home, and your happiness is not the priority. Those are the first two. Number three, you have to trust your guide. You have to trust your guide. Um, when you're on the mountain, things can change quickly. Right? I, I've never been mountain climbing, but from what I've read, weather changes rapidly on a mountain. The path conditions that you thought, well, you thought you were going one way gets covered in snow. You can't go that way anymore. Uh, injuries can happen. Becoming low on supplies. And you have to be able to trust your guide to make the right decisions on the spot for your safety. You follow them for a reason. They know more than you do. Right? I, I wouldn't hire an electrician that knows less than I do to, to, to put in a, uh, a, a, they still call them circuit breakers? I don't even know. That, that, if, if my electrician doesn't even know the name of that box, then, then uh, I'm not hiring them. Uh, you can't start second guessing them and telling them uh, how it's going to be. You have to be able to trust them. In the same way, you have to trust God to guide you. Proverbs 3 says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Leaning on our own understanding never gets us where we want to be. Um, trying to solve problems on our own. We, 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 we create more problems sometimes uh, then we call, then we create solutions. You have to trust the Lord's ways. You have to trust in His timing. You have to trust in His direction. And I know it's hard sometimes um, to do. It's hard to trust Him and, and and know that He is going to lead us in the right path, right? But a perfect example of why we can happened last Sunday. Um, I was talking to Virginia after church and. And she was saying, you know, we're, we're, not, um, we're not bringing in enough money now to, to, to cover our, our expenses. And uh, at the end of the conversation, she said to me, I'm not worried about it. She said, I trust in the Lord. And those are the words of a seasoned saint. Words of someone who's trusted their guide, right? Someone who can say something like that can say it because she has seen it happen. And we need to surround ourselves with Christians that know God can. Because it's a scary thought. It's scary to think we can't pay bills or we can't meet, the, um, uh, meet our finances. Our finances are, are, are too low to be able to, to take care of the things we need to take care of. But as she said that, I, I believed her. I believe she believes that God is going to pull through. She just trusts in her guide. So I was sharing this with a good friend of mine. 
a, a fine Christian lady that I work with. And um, as I was talking about it, I said, you know, because obviously our, our, our attendance is dropping and um, things are becoming hard. And, and she said the same was going with her church. And, and as we're having this conversation, I, I, I feel my phone going off my pocket. And um, so I don't check it. I just kind of close, I turn it off. And uh, at the end of the conversation, I, I go into my pocket and I pull out my phone and it's Kate. She has sent me a text message. And she said, we're going to be receiving a check this month that we weren't expecting for a, a good chunk of money. And she said, we'll be able to tithe more this month. And I thought, just the way, it, it gave me goosebumps reading the text message from her. Listening to Virginia talk about how she trusted God. She trusted uh, our guide to, 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 to pull through for us. And he has. It, it, it's, you have to be able to trust your guide. You have to be able to trust God. So that's one way we can trust him is, is uh, we see it. We see him doing those works in our lives. We see him doing that work in our church. But how else can we trust him? We can trust him because we know that he's honest with us. That mountain guy that I was telling you about, the, the website, it says, we feel it's important that we're honest with you about the issues we can face up in the mountains in order to allow you to be similarly honest with us. If someone is leading you up 20,000 feet on a mountain, you need to be, they need to be honest with you, right? I want you to be honest with me if we're that high up. If we're in that much danger, I want you to be honest with us. I don't want you sugarcoating for me what's coming ahead, right? If it's going to be bad, tell me it's going to be bad. If we're running low on supplies, let me know. We're running low on supplies. Don't surprise me later down the line uh, when we're all run out. You want the person guiding you to be honest with you. Was Jesus honest with his disciples? Was Jesus honest with the people that wanted to follow him? People said, we want to follow you, Jesus. Great, we're going to Jerusalem. Did he say, I'm sure everything's going to be fine. Come on. That's not what he said. He said, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but I'm homeless tonight. I have nowhere to lay my head. Are you sure you want to follow me? Because it's going to be difficult. He was honest with his disciples. He was honest with those that were willing to follow him. In fact, in the four Gospels, Jesus says, Truly I say to you, or I tell you the truth. He said that 69 times. Anytime somebody has to say that to you, um, it usually starts off with, I'm going to be honest with you. That's very rarely followed by anything positive. <laughs> right? It's very rarely anybody would say to you, I got to be honest with you. I love what you're doing with your garden. It's usually something on the negative side. I got to be honest with you. You got to do something with your dog. I, I got to be honest with you. you, you you're, you're doing. It's usually followed by something that is not in the positive. But it's being honest. Jesus told them what they didn't necessarily want to hear. He was honest with them, told them what they needed to hear. Jesus is honest. We can trust him because he is honest with us. And picking up on that last sentence in that, that mountain guide of the page, it says that they're honest with us in order to allow you 
to be similarly honest with us. It goes on to say, please tell us if you're scared, tired, or having similar problems so that we can manage those problems as best we can. There's no room for pride on a mountain. There's no room for pride. If you're sick, you got to let them know. If you're injured, you have to let them know. You, you can't turn your ankle a little bit and think, oh, well, it'll probably be okay. Get another thousand feet up and then realize you can't go any further. You have to be honest. You have to go to them and, and share these things with them. If you're tired, you have to let them know. If you're scared, that's a dangerous situation to be in. Find somebody just frozen in fear. You have to be able to share with your guide when you're going through problems. And you need to let your guide know for your safety and your own well-being. Well, the same goes for God. Philippians 4, uh, verses 6 and 7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He says, be anxious for nothing. Don't be scared. Don't be worried. Don't lose hope. Bring it to the Lord in prayer. In the Old Testament, uh, people couldn't do that. People couldn't pray to God in the Old Testament. That wasn't how it worked. You had to go to a priest. You had to go to the priest and tell the priest your problems. And the priest would go into uh, the temple and the Holy of Holies, right, behind the veil. And then they, they would speak to God on your behalf. They were your intercessor, right? They were your go-between between you and the Lord. But when, when Christ died on the cross, what happened? It said that veil was torn. There's now a, a direct line of communication because of Christ through you and God. You can pray. You can tell God your worries. You might as well be honest with him because he already knows. <laughs> He's honest with you, but you can be honest with him. I've got to be honest with you. I had several more, but, <laughs> but um, I, I, I'm just going to kind of briefly go, go through them. I, one of them was um, how the mountain trails narrow. Right? And I preached this a couple weeks ago about how we're to take that narrow path, that the wide path leads to destruction. If you look at a mountain and you just decide you're going to go at it all willy-nilly, you're going to be in a lot, of a lot of trouble. You need to take the narrow path. You need to take the path that's been worn down, that, that, that your guide knows well. You need to take the narrow path. Another one, uh, being secured to your anchor lines uh, so that it will catch you when you fall. And how Christ is our anchor in the storm. You know, those, uh, the, those lines that they have are anchored into the mountainside. And they have these clips on them that you clip onto. So that when you do fall, if you slip and fall, you won't fall all the way. It'll catch you. It'll hold you. It'll prevent you from uh, dying. It'll prevent you from falling off the side of the mountain. In the same way, Christ is our anchor. When we're attached to him... He won't let us fall that far. We, we may slide back a little, but he catches us. He is there for us. He is our anchor in the storm. Another. The guide needs to choose the right path, keeping in mind your abilities and limitations. 
God gives us each different abilities. In Romans 12, it says, having then, uh, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. He knows what you're capable of because he is the one that gave you your abilities. He's not going to ask you to stand up and, and, and preach a sermon if that wasn't the, the, the gift that you were given. If you were given a gift of um, uh, so many gifts. But he, he's going to ask you to rely on that gift that you were given. Right? He's not going to ask you to step outside and, and, and do something for the kingdom that he hasn't equipped you for. The same way with a, a, a mountain guide. He needs to know your limitations. He needs to know your abilities. And lastly, when you do reach the summit in life, whatever that success looks like to you, um, it could be the top of business, it could be the top of popularity, whatever it is, whatever that summit is in your life, you can't stand at the top of it and beat your chest saying, look at me, look how I got up here. You need to be grateful for your guide, and your guide is God. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through who? Through Christ that strengthens me. It's him. You did it, but you did it because of him. You did it because he allowed it. You did it because you have him in you. So listen, we're, we're all blind. We're all blind. We can't see the future. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know uh, what lies ahead of us. That's why we need God as our guide. We can trust him. We can confide in him. We know he has our best interests at heart, and he wants to bring us home. I want to, I want to close uh, by reading to you Psalm 23, because I, I feel like it, it kind of sums this up very well. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He's our guide. He's the one we look to for guidance in every aspect of our lives. Let's pray. Lord, we are so grateful. We're grateful for just for the opportunity to, to, to come together in your house, to, to open up your word and, and hear a message from you, Lord. We're grateful for uh, being around other Christians that ha have seen your works and, and can share with others, that can share their experiences with us, Lord. Um, that strengthens our spirit. It, 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 draw, it helps draw us closer to you. Lord, we know we can trust you, and we just pray that you will strengthen that that that. that that faith that we have in you, that trust that we have in you. Lord, we love you and we just want to be with you. But we ask you to be with us as we go our separate ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.